0: The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 930 we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you.
1: As we turn our attention to the proclaiming of Scripture, let us pray. Loving God, fountain of every blessing, open us to your life-giving word and fill us with your Holy Spirit so that living water may flow through our hearts, a spring of hope for a thirsty world. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. A reading from the Psalms. Listen for God's word to you. Praise the Lord. Those who honor the Lord, who adore God's commandments, are truly happy. Their descendants will be strong throughout the land. The offspring of those who do right will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in their houses. Their righteousness stands forever. They shine in the dark for others who do right. They are merciful, compassionate, and righteous. Those who lend generously are good people, as are those who conduct their affairs with justice. Yes, these sorts of people will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. They won't be frightened at bad news. Their hearts are steady, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are firm. They aren't afraid. In the end, they will witness their enemies' defeat. They give freely to those in need Their righteousness stands forever. Their strength increases gloriously. The wicked see all this and fume. They grind their teeth but disappear to nothing. What the wicked want to see happen comes to nothing. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Our second reading comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. Listen, God is still speaking. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to share a meal in the home of one of the leaders of the Pharisees, they were watching him closely. When Jesus noticed how the guests sought out the best seat at the table, he told them a parable. When someone invites you to a wedding celebration, don't take your seat at the place of honor. Someone more highly regarded than you could have been invited by your host. The host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give your seat to this other person. Embarrassed, you will take your seat in the least important place. Instead, when you receive an invitation, go and sit in the least important place. When your host approaches you, they will say, Friend, move up here to a better seat. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. All who lift themselves up will be brought low. And those who make themselves low will be lifted up. Then Jesus said to the person who had invited him, when you host a lunch or dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers and sisters, your relatives or rich neighbors. If you do, they will invite you in return. And that will be your reward. Instead, when you give a banquet, invite people who are poor, disabled, unable to walk, or blind, and you will be blessed because they can't repay you. Instead, you will be repaid when the just are resurrected. When one of the dinner guests heard Jesus' remarks, he said to Jesus, Jesus, Happy, happy are those who will feast in God's kingdom. The word of the Lord. Kelly Powell threw her first crappy dinner party four years ago. It was her friend Laura's idea. Laura had just moved. Back to Ottawa after two years of living in a small community in rural northern Saskatchewan. And she told Kelly about how friends there just show up at each other's houses unannounced. People feed each other whatever happens to be in their fridge that day. There's no preparation, no stress, just enjoying each other's company. Kelly thought back to her last few experiences of having people over for dinner. She loved seeing her friends, but life with three kids was messy. Uh, Not that she was a neat freak, but having company over meant clearing a path in the explosion of crafts on the floor, or folding the mountain of laundry on the couch, or finding the source of that questionable smell. A normal dinner party often, more often than not, soured her mood with stress before the guests even arrived. A normal dinner party meant that Kelly and Laura, close friends who lived in the same city, rarely saw each other. So maybe a crappy dinner party was just the kind of party she needed. Maybe the idea of friends showing up unannounced makes your heart race, makes your makes you break into a sweat. If that's the case, breathe. The doorbell rings. There's a knock on the door. You know who it is. You invited them. It's Joe, who lives in a camper, even in winter. It's Pam, who uses a motorized wheelchair to get around Walmart. It's your neighbor, who can't pay you back, who graciously accepted your invitation to lunch. And my heart is racing again. Why did I ever decide to listen to Jesus? His ideas sound so nice in theory. Sure, break with convention. Yes, widen the circle of community. That's right. The kingdom of God is like a giant dinner party. But in practice, Jesus' teachings get under my skin. Because Jesus doesn't say, give away vegetables and cereal at the food pantry. That's easy. That's fun. I can do that. No sweat. Jesus says, invite people into your house and let them see you as you really are. Jesus was always the guest in other people's houses, at the table of the Pharisees, at the kitchen counters of the tax collectors, in the home of Martha and Mary. Jesus was always the guest. And so always peered into the hearts of the people who hosted him. He saw their insecurities. He saw Simon's prejudice, Martha's anxiety, the skepticism of folks who didn't go to church, who doubted God wanted anything to do with them. While others kept an eye on Jesus, either to prevent him from embarrassing them or to hear what ludicrous thing he would say next, Jesus kept an eye on them. Imagine you are the host of this dinner party. Imagine handing Jesus a glass of wine. Nothing too fancy. Nothing with a dusty label. Come on, you're not Pontius Pilate. As Jesus takes it, notice his hands. He's washed them, sure, But there's still some dirt underneath his fingernails. They're calloused from his previous work. Carpenter, construction worker, something physical, something hands-on. Peek at his unwashed hair. Catch a whiff of the distinct odor wafting up from his clothing. Well, that all makes sense. He's a wandering prophet after all. Once upon a time, home was Nazareth, but now he says things like, foxes have dens, and the birds of the sky have nests, but the human one has no place to lay his head. And suddenly, it's like the first day of school all over again. Instantly, you are hyper aware of how everyone moves, how everyone dresses, how everyone speaks. Like taking a quick census of the cafeteria, you can see what Jesus sees. You see guests jockeying for a seat close to the head of the table. You see how out of place a wandering prophet is in this crowd. You can feel his eyes on you, boring into you. Just take the wine, you silently plead. Just eat. Don't say anything. But this is Jesus we're talking about. And of course, he can't hold back from holding forth. And although you'd rather plug your ears with hummus... You can't keep from hearing what he says. When you give a banquet, invite people who are poor, disabled, unable to walk, or blind, and you will be blessed because they can't repay you. Instead, you will be repaid when the just are resurrected. Well, that's a nice idea, Jesus. Very charitable but I already give to folks begging at the city gate. I volunteer on free community lunch days. I regularly donate to profits that empower people to escape the generational cycle of poverty. And I know what it's like to have a wandering prophet in my house, a guest who sees me as I really am, I don't think I could handle being that vulnerable with the most vulnerable people in my society. But if we excuse ourselves from this itchy, under-the-skin teaching, folks will miss out on something beautiful about God. The Holy One, the Most High, loves to eat with the lowest and the least. Hearing Jesus' remarks about the resurrection, another guest, probably a few drinks in, pipes up, Happy are those who will feast in God's kingdom. Seriously, why did you invite these people? And Jesus True to fashion, tells a story. Once upon a time, a certain man who nobody liked very much hosted a large dinner and invited many people. When it was time for dinner to begin, he sent his servant to tell the invited guests, come, the dinner is now ready. One by one, they all began to make ridiculous excuses. They told him that they had bought a farm or teams of oxen, and now they must go inspect them as if anyone would make these kinds of purchases sight unseen. Someone even said, I'm getting married. So I can't come rubbing in this man's face the fact that he had not been invited to such an important community event. Like I said, no one liked this man very much, and instead of giving him the honor of hosting a banquet, they decided to humiliate him. The servant reported these excuses to his master, who understood exactly what had happened. He became furious. You all think you can humiliate me, the man fumed. We'll see about that. He ordered his servant, go quickly to the city's streets, the busy ones, and the side streets, and bring the people who are poor, disabled, unable to walk and blind. So the servant sprinted off and spread the news of the invitation. Returning, the servant said, Master, your instructions have been followed and there is still room at the banquet table. The master replied, Go to the highways and the back alleys to travelers and bandits and drunks and prostitutes and Urge people to come in so that my house will be filled. I tell you, not one of those who were first invited will taste my dinner. Instead, let those people I was going to honor be humiliated. And let the humiliated be honored. For Jesus, this Is the kingdom of God a banquet for beggars, for the bruised, for the bums? These are the people with whom God loves to spend time, to laugh with, to listen to. Seek them out, Jesus says, and you will find God there. In the scraggly grass behind Redeemer Lutheran Church, people regularly find God eating a hot dog. Redeemer is a community institution in the Harrison neighborhood, the first neighborhood north of downtown Minneapolis, the first of many predominantly black neighborhoods on the north side that the Minneapolis city government has impoverished over many generations. Every July and August, Redeemer invites partner Lutheran congregations in the suburbs, Calvary from Golden Valley, Christ the King in New Brighton, to sponsor a cookout for the neighborhood. So every Wednesday, suburban Lutherans bring hot dogs and hamburgers, baked beans and watermelon, and most importantly, themselves, to their sisters and brothers in Christ who rely on the corner store for groceries. For two summers in a row, it was my job to coordinate these barbecues. As subtle as waves of heat rising off of a charcoal grill, the spirit moved among us. I saw apprehension melt away from neighborhood child to uncertain adult. I beamed with pride as the summer camp kids showed off their community garden produce to their guests. I witnessed the building of common ground, a common down-to-earth humility amidst shared delight. It reminded me of something Martin Luther himself once said. Truly, we are all beggars. Truly, we are all beggars. All of us in need of a grace we cannot repay. When we get right down to it, the best seat at the table doesn't mean a thing comparing to being known and loved for who we are. Invite those who can't repay you, Jesus says, if only to discover that guest and host alike are beggars each, if only to discover that God is dining among you. A friend of mine recently told me about an afternoon volunteering at her church's food pantry. Clinical depression weighs down my normally buoyant friend, and by the time that she motivated herself to drive to church, to get out of the car, the food was already set up. Other volunteers were stationed at each table. She sighed, (sighs) now what? That's when a preschooler approached my friend. Unaware of the existential crisis unfolding, kids are regulars at that food pantry, especially toddlers, while parents and grandparents pick up groceries, or sit and chat with volunteers. Kids can play with toys. Kids can color. This four-year-old had a plastic jar of Play-Doh in his hand. Can you help me, he asked, gesturing to the rest of the jars on the craft shelf. Another sigh, but a smile for the preschooler. Down came the Play-Doh, out came the paper towels to wipe off the card table, a chair cleared for the young artist, but that wasn't the end of it. The four-year-old nodded to the other empty chair. You can sit there. That's how my friend, who thought that she was the host, became the guest at a very different banquet table. My friend, a beggar like me, found God at that table where sweet-smelling Play-Doh became snakes and flowers and elephants. Laughing alongside a toddler, she encountered who else? The Most High, who placed Grace in her open palm like daily bread. Beloved, open your hands because God has bread for you. Open your doors to stranger and friend, whether you're hosting a five-course meal or one of those crappy dinner parties. Open your hearts to being seen. The you that the gospel exposes, the you that hungers for authenticity. In that opening, Jesus sets a table. At that table, the spirit lays a feast. At that feast, the creator and covenant maker nourishes you with love beyond measure. Grace Without end, for such grace, let us give all glory and gratitude to the one in three, the three in one, God most mighty, most merciful, most wise. Amen.